Let me tell you one of the nicest, smartest, most thoughtful things my wife has ever said to me. She came at me one time. She looked me dead in the eyes. And she said these words. She said, I just want you, I just want to vent. I don't want you to fix anything. That's it. I just want to vent. I don't want you to fix anything. That is the most helpful, amazing, thoughtful thing that she has ever said to me. I know that sounds crazy, right? You're like, oh, but what about I love you and she loves you and she thinks that you're amazing and blah, blah, blah. That's cool. That's great. That's not helpful, right? That's really nice and that's 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 very sweet and generous and merciful, all those fun things. But that's not helpful. Telling someone, like preemptively telling somebody what you actually are looking for in a conversation is very helpful. So if you go to business, I, I do this now when I uh, when I talk. I used to say all these extra words and say, oh yeah, so um, so I need this. You know, I need a stapler or I need a staple. I just need one staple. And then that would lead to what? It would lead to question. Well, you, I have a stapler right here. He goes, no, no, I just need one. Well, I mean, I have a whole bunch. No, but just give me one. It's like, you want me to have one staple? It's like, yeah. Why do you need one staple? See, we got we went all the way around. That was a little a lot of extra words. When I could have said, "Hey man, let me see a staple real quick so I can punch out this CD drive." Right? I know people use uh use uh clips, some uh, paper clips instead, but you can use a staple too, right? You just bend one side. So anyway, so that what what that's called is kind of Bottom lining up front. That's an army thing too. You say bluff. Bottom line up front. So when someone comes to you and says the bottom line up front. Hey, bottom line, I just want to get this off my chest. I don't want you to try to fix it. I don't want you to explain to me why I'm wrong. I don't want you to play devil's advocate and try to understand this problem with me. I just want you to smile and nod or, or frown or say look sad, you know. I just want you to mirror my emotion and listen. And that is amazing. I mean, we're not the best at it. I mean, we just, I mean, I'm making this recording seconds after we just got into another argument about how I offered up advice on how to get better at something or how to improve the situation that I was being told about and you know it came off as arrogant and, and uh, you know uh, trying to make her, her feel bad or trying to show how she didn't know how to do the right thing or or just it's not what I wanted right I genuinely wanted to help and thought mm, you know this might be a good approach but that's not what she was looking for this time so that's why it immediately start, sparked in my brain the the times, and it's multiple. I mean, we're pretty good at it. The times that she has said, I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen. I mean, 
that kind of communication is blunt and it is it is I, I guess I could see how it's maybe not belittling I don't want to say that but it's not very uh, it's very very blunt it is it's blunt is the right word I'm gonna stick with that one where there's no suave batting around the bush no no niceties no no je ne sais quoi I don't know what it's just it's just direct you know and that is how me how I as far as I know that's how most of the guys I know work you know that's how we work there's a there's a fun not adage but kind of like a a scenario that came about I think early in our marriage and even before I think when we were in pre-Cana but it was like a husband and wife are, are in a house and the dishes start to pile up and the wife decides she's going to do she's going to let it, let the husband do the dishes and so she doesn't do them and the day goes by and she says well maybe he genuinely does not see those dishes and so she says wow, those dishes are starting to pile up. And the husband says, oh yeah, look at that, they are. And they both keep on doing their daily things. And then another day goes by and the dishes are piled up even more. And she makes mention of it again. You know, hey, that those dishes, oh man, we still haven't done dishes, yikes. And, he's, and he says, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. We totally got to do those dishes. Now, all the while, in her brain, she is doing some evaluation of, I got to be subtle and I got to slowly lead this horse to water to make him understand that there's dishes in the sink and he should probably do them. And I, I want him to do them. But on the other side, he's not thinking, oh, she's trying to subtly tell me how to do the dishes. He's just saying, yep, she said the dishes are high in the sink. Yeah, that's obvious. Why, why does she keep telling me the dishes are high? Everybody can see the dishes are high. You know, why doesn't she just go ahead and do them? Why does she keep bringing it up? So the end of the little epilogue or vignette, if you would, is that if she wanted him to do the dishes she could literally have just looked at the dishes the, the first two dishes in the sink and if she said in her brain you know what I would really like it if he did the dishes all she would have to say is hey do the dishes dickhead and he would have looked at her and said what'd you call me and she could have said ha 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 or she could have said I called you dickhead or she could have just said anything else but the bottom line is when she says do the dishes that is that is a command you know and not like uh, you know I'm in the army but it's not like an army command it's hey I want you to do something there's no beating around the bush it is a direct communication talking about what you want so that the other person can do it now 
everybody's a grown-up in the scenario, right? So the guy could easily have said, hey, I can't, you know, I have no hands. They've been blown off in war. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just joking. So, uh, but I mean, maybe. But, but, but more than likely, he's just going to do the dishes. Because if you tell somebody what you want them to do, they're a lot more likely to just do it as opposed to beating around the bush and and dropping hints. That's such a stupid thing to say. I was dropping all these hints and the guy just didn't pick up on it. Hey, how about you just tell them what to do? How about we don't drop hints? We just be direct. Now, I get it. Sometimes it's inappropriate. Oh, his fly is down or he's got something in his teeth or, you know, he's got a big old nose hair or something hanging out. You're trying to drop hints without without bringing everybody else's attention to it. But when it's not a matter matter of etiquette, when it's just, I need something done, or I would really appreciate it, then just be direct. And again, you don't have to say it like that. You don't have to go up to your spouse and say, hey, do the dishes, dickhead. You could always just say, hey, um, I'd really appreciate it if you did the dishes tonight. I don't feel like doing it. And then that has a conversation. Then it's like, oh, okay, no big deal. That's, that's, I mean, that's best case scenario, right? How quick was that conversation? The other side is, oh, well, you know, I, I really don't feel like doing them either. And that's where you sacrifice. One of you sacrifices, right? And that's what it all comes down to. Everything we do is sacrifice for another person. You know, whether it's your spouse or your kids or your community, it's all about sacrifice. But even sacrifice um, needs to be recognized. And I think that that's a hard sell, right? Because humility, oh, you know, you should, you should give all your money to the church and not say anything and don't tell anybody and just give all your money to the church. That doesn't work, right? That doesn't work for me at all. Because if I gave all my money to the church and I told nobody about it, then yeah, I'm suffering in silence. What a great martyr I am. But the problem is I'm suffering in silence. I'm, I'm denying anyone else the opportunity to help, to, to be charitable, to come together and be my friend and, and show how they're there for me and really just demonstrate what a community is. So this whole suffer in silence and be a humble person and don't be a braggart, I, I get those. I get them to a degree, the braggart part, where it's like, don't donate money just to show everyone how you donated money and you're an amazing person. You can donate money, and if it's more than you thought or you need help with something, ask for help. Be be a good steward to yourself, as well as the church and your family and your job and your spouse. So that's going right back to being direct you know if I go to church all day long or or I go to my kids school or I'm I'm doing let's just say I'm, I'm volunteering for everything right my kids need it the kids need it the church needs it I'm a basketball coach I'm a Cub Scout leader I'm a soccer coach I'm teaching karate I'm teaching piano uh, I'm doing math club and I'm doing Lego club if I'm doing all these things that's great. I'm helping out everyone. But if by doing all these things, I am not able to go to work and I can't provide for my family, right? 
I'm sacrificing, but I'm not asking for help when it gets too much. Or I'm not asking, I'm not letting anybody know. So, so we want people to recognize that we're sacrificing. Just because, you know, it does feel good when, when you get credit for what you're doing. So I guess that's a, that's a bigger topic. At what point do we differentiate between getting credit for something that we're doing and, and I don't know, being, being um, boastful or being a bragger like we talked about before? You know, is it just the fact of the intent behind it? Is that what it comes down to? Is it like, um, like a sin, right? You can't sin if you if you don't know if you're ignorant of what the sin is. So, or again, this is me going back to Catholic. I, the definition of sin for me, is doing something I know is wrong. I have to know it's wrong, and choosing to do that wrong, right? So if I'm, um. You know, a sin is to steal, right? So if I get drunk and I steal something, I'm not responsible for the sin of stealing, of theft. Thou shalt not steal. I'm not responsible for that. That's not something I need to confess to a priest as a sin. Now, is it wrong? Yes. And did it happen? Yes. But did I decide to do something even though I knew it was wrong? No. I was drunk. I didn't know what I was doing. Now, the sin was willfully getting drunk and taking myself out of the equation. You know, breaking that, that, um, that string of consciousness where I knew what I was doing. That's because your conscience is your soul, is your, that's your, your relationship, I guess, to God, you could say, right? Because your, your conscience is what kind of inside of you, based on morals and everything else, guides you to what's right and wrong, plus your brain. You know, so you've got what you know is right and wrong. There are black and white truths. And then what you feel is right and wrong. And you have to balance those two. And so if you take away your ability to reason, to rationale, rationalize whether what you're doing is right or wrong, You've severed the tie between yourself and, and uh, not the right to choose, but your free will. You've taken away your free will because you're acting on pure impulse. You know, your brain is going through motions. And so that's where it gets to the reason I'm bringing all this up. Yes, that's the wrong thing to do. So it goes, it ties all the way back to intent, right? It, I know it's kind of like a legal term. What was the intent? Uh, did you intend to murder that person? So then it's manslaughter versus first degree murder or whatever that is. Um, but so so goes it with uh, with the church and so goes it with, with um, just being, just sacrifice, right? What's your intent? Did you become the scoutmaster and the piano teacher and the soccer coach just so everyone would see how much work you were doing and how you were you're helping all these organizations or did you do all that work because somebody needed to do it it 
just needed to get done and nobody else was stepping up. Now, I don't have a problem with that. I think that's great. I think that's the place, that's exactly the place where you say, well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm hanging in there, I'm handling it. Or you say, yeah, I am swamped. Uh, I'm getting it done, but I would really appreciate somebody else helping, you know? Give me an assistant coach, give me a assistant scout master, a den mother, or whatever it is, somebody to help carry the load, right? Yes, I know I can carry, I am sure I can carry a 500 pound rock. I can get it from one end of the road to the other. It's gonna be a lot faster if I had a couple of friends to help me pick it up. So that's where the getting credit, I feel, comes in. It's okay to get credit, it's okay to want credit. Now where where I come into debates and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with the boss, the boss is my wife, she will always be the boss, is what I call it. So where when I get into the conversations is, where I get into the conversations is when I say, when she feels bad sometimes, right? So let's say we go to, we go to the store or we go to, you know, we, we go anywhere and just something happens that is great. Like let's say we, I got a raise at work, but I'm in a group of friends and one of my buddies has never gotten a raise the whole time he's worked. Or one guy doesn't even have a job, you know, that's, that's where it disappoints me when people shy away. They say, oh, I didn't, I didn't want to bring up that I just got a raise at work because that guy, I know that guy doesn't have a job. You know, I've, I've never been a place where I was so selfish that somebody else's joy, I wanted to take somebody else's joy away because I wasn't happy at that exact moment. Now, that's, that's me, right? I can't speak for anybody else. I'm not going to. I'm not going to assume I know what depression is and, oh, you don't know what high anxiety is or, or all these other things. I don't. I really don't. But all I can say is, when have you ever walked into a room and seen a couple of people smiling and you were immediately like, what a bunch of jerks. Can't believe they're smiling. If you think that everyone is, is, is out to get you so much that when somebody says something nice happened to them, you, you immediately despise that person, your priorities are all jacked up, man. You, you, you can't. That's just ridiculous. Because at the end of the day, other people don't affect you. you know, take credit for what you did right. Sometimes it's hard to take credit for what you did wrong. But that's an easier way to get to know somebody or, or bond with a group, right? You bond through misery. You, you don't really bond through joy. Like even though a football team gets wins the Super Bowl, they didn't bond when they won the Super Bowl. They didn't become this great thing. Oh, man, look at that. We're all a great big team now because we won the Super Bowl. No, man. They bonded through those losses and through those hard wins. They fought. One guy broke his hand that game, and so another guy had to step up. And they bonded through that struggle. You bond through suffering. Bonding through joys 
I've never seen it. I mean, again, so I mean, that's that's somebody might think that's ridiculous because all they do is they go and they roast marshmallows and they have these great bonding experiences, and their family's amazing. And that's cool. Rock on uh, to each his own. But again, I can only speak to what I do, to what I feel, to what I get through. I bond with my kids through the trials, the tribulations, the mistakes that we make, the mistakes that are okay, that we take credit for, right? And that's one of those things that people have told me, so I'm trying hard to do when it comes to take credit, and that's take credit for my mistakes also. And even harder for me is taking credit for mistakes in front of my kids. Because you... You want to be the right thing. You want to be that shining light on a hill. You want to be the example. Because you are. No matter what, you already are the example. But you want to be that rock. That, hey, if you are wondering how to be, how to be a good person and how to be good, just just succeed in life, just look at me. Look at Papa. Do what I'm doing and you will be okay. Look at Mama. She's doing great. So just look at your parents, and that's if you're if you need help on how to live, you should look at them. And that works, except for the times in my brain I feel, oh man, I don't want them to see me do the wrong thing, because what if they do the wrong thing? Now they're gonna start doing the wrong thing. I was I was working and I said, I said, damn it! And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my gosh, oh, I hope they didn't hear it, I hope they didn't hear it, I hope they didn't hear it. And they, now they're going to start saying that word, right? They're going to start saying damn it all the time. It's just, it's just an effort. They always hear it when you don't expect it, and you slip. But what I'm learning is that it's not the word damn it that they heard. It's that you said the word damn it and that was okay because you didn't there was no repercussions right there was no there was no I didn't mean to say that or oh that word is not appropriate or blah 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 it was no 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 I said uh, I said chicken pox or I said uh, banana, sand, banana sandwich you know we, we make a joke out of it but I'm starting to see that much to my surprise my kids are pretty dang smart I mean, I, clearly it's nothing I had to do with it. It's pretty much all my wife, the boss. But uh, but if I do something wrong, it means more and it, it adjusts their pattern more if they can see me own it, take credit for it. Hey, yeah, I, uh, I was trying to cook that sandwich that, um, you know, cook a piece of bologna. And I, I walked away, I didn't pay attention and I burned it up set off the smoke detector is a big to-do. Now I can say, yep, yep, that's just, uh, that's Creole, right? That's, uh, that's how they do it in the South. But it matters more, it means more to the kiddos when you say, holy guacamole, guys, I made a big mistake. I, I didn't go, I didn't pay attention to the stove and I burned up my lunch. And you got to show them. I mean, sometimes you got to do something silly, right? You got to say, oh, I guess I don't get a sandwich because I made that big mistake. You know, it's showing that there are, re, um, there are, you have to be responsible in showing people that taking credit for a mistake is not just owning it where it's, oh, I made a mistake. Yeah, I did. It's 
showing that there are repercussions for mistakes. Now, you can overdo it, right? I do. I dramatize everything, right? So it's like, oh man, I'm so hungry. I wish I had that bologna sandwich, but I burned it up. So now I don't get any bologna sandwich. You know, and that's ridiculous. Right? I just go make another bologna sandwich. But first, I have to show that I made a mistake and there was a consequence. I didn't get a bologna sandwich or I didn't, I was late to work. Why? Because I didn't iron my shirts. Right? So, so if we don't show them ever that there's a consequence, and this is so hard, especially on little kids, where it's like they do something silly and they kind of should know by now not to do it. Like for me, it's, it's screaming in the house, right? You can sing. So I have, there's, there's gray areas, right? We talked about this last time. There's gray areas. You can sing. You can, um, if you could funnel that excitement into a song or a words, even words are okay. Yelling a word, that's okay. But just an outright scream, not okay. So I always say, if there's a ceiling, there's no screaming. When I say it, I gotta smush the words a little bit to make it rhyme better. But still, if there's a ceiling, there's no screaming. And so, my kids have gotten used to this. Uh, I've got a few. But so now, when the when the one-year-old screams, I say to her, oh, no ma'am, if there's a ceiling, there's no screaming. And if she does it again, I, I put her in the corner. And so she might not understand yet what exactly I'm doing. Also, she goes in the corner for like five seconds because that's really all her brain is gonna, gonna process. At that point, she's like, why am I in the corner? I don't remember. But I do the same thing to my eight-year-old, right? Not because they are just a bad listener, but because they make mistakes. So I say, ah, yeah, you scream, go to the corner, 10 seconds, go, go, go. And they run to the corner, they count to 10, they run out. But that's very important because what that does is that that shows everybody that there is one standard, you know? You can't get away with something because you're a little kid. You don't get away with something because you're the big kid trying to act like the little kids. You see? So if we can... And that's, that's, that's got levels of appropriateness too. But taking credit for when you do something right is just as important as taking credit for when you do something wrong. But in both cases there should be consequences, right? So the consequences of taking credit when something is wrong should balance, right? You don't want something so severe that someone's afraid of telling you they did something wrong, but you want it severe enough so to that they know that, okay, this is a negative outcome. And that's the same thing when it comes to credit, right? So you give, you give credit and praise. So if you, if you do something right, oh, you were, somebody dropped their books and you picked them up. Hey, I see you picked those books up. So, you know, I'm gonna give you a sticker. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna help you with your groceries. Whatever it may be, right? So it's just, it could be anything silly. It could be for a grown up, for a normal, for a, a kid. But when it comes down to the, the praise and taking credit, you also want to say, hey, think about this. Think about it. You are a kind person. No matter what you scream about and cry about, you didn't get your way, you, 
you kicked little Johnny on the playground, you took the ball, you know, you were not a good listener today. Inside of you, you're still a good person. You have to enforce that. Because frankly, what's the alternative, right? You're a bad person. Okay, well, if you tell me I'm a bad person enough, I'm just a human, right? I'm gonna learn through repetition. So if you tell me I'm a bad person enough, I'm gonna believe I'm a bad person. And now I get it, you might think, oh man, he thinks he's a bad guy, so he's he's gonna feel sad and blah, blah, No, that's not true. I think if I'm a bad person, if I accept that I'm a bad person, then I will not, you know, that I don't have any kind of moral compass to what is right and wrong, what is good. I'm like, no, that's okay, I can do that because I'm a bad guy. You know, I can slash the tires on this car because I'm a bad guy. Yeah, I've been taught that my whole life, that I'm a bad guy. So, I mean, I might as well make good on the situation. Why do I try to live up to anything? I, I am. I'm living up to what people have told me, that I'm a bad kid. And so we try to do that, the boss and I. We try to say, no, 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 there's no bad people. There's just bad decisions. And you're not, like a kid's not stupid, or a person's not stupid. Their decision is stupid. That's kind of like the same mindset as don't praise the result, praise the progress, praise the path. So it's like, that's so great that you won the championship. I'm so impressed that you worked so hard. Oh my gosh, you worked so hard and it paid off. That's got to feel so good after working so hard to get that championship trophy. You know, so you can do both, right? In that one sentence, I told her, yes, I'm very proud that they um, won the trophy, that they won the championship. But I emphasize, I put more weight in the struggle to get there, right? That's that struggle we talk about, where you're, you, you bond through the struggle, you bond through suffering. And so I'm not praising the result. Hey, that's great, you cheated and you won the, you won the trophy. I, I probably, I would come off very snide if I said it like that. If I saw that they cheated and won the trophy, that's a hard win, right? That's a hard one for a parent because your kid's full of joy. But if your kid, if your kid cheated, you gotta, you gotta hand that trophy back. That's not okay. And that's a really hard lesson to learn. Uh, it's a hard one for me to teach as a parent. So as a, as a coach, I, I do coach some things, right? So I am, a, I'm not an everything coach, but I do enjoy coaching soccer. And I've got little kids, so it's one of those where, well, we don't keep score, there's no out of bounds, we just kind of play. And at the end of the year, everybody gets a gift card to a pizza place, and they all get medals, and they, and they all get like magnets, so they can sit, shamelessly promote the soccer game. But the hard part for me is giving them a medal. Like, what am I giving them a medal for? What, how did they earn this medal? What did they do? that they deserve the credit that is this medal. And if the answer is nothing, then that's it, nothing. So, but I have to give them the medal, right? So I'm kind of stuck in a little place, because that's, that's, what do I do? Give it back to the soccer camp and say, no, I don't want your medals. That's not cool, right? Especially a lot of these guys, you know, they got siblings and the sibling get medals, and other coaches don't feel the same way. They kind of just throw the medals at the sick. I've seen coaches put them in a pile and say, hey, everybody, go over there, get your medal and your magnet and your gift cards. So I try to do a little bit extra. I put together little certificates, right, for these four and five-year-olds. 
that's a for successful completion you were with us you suffered through the pains and the trials and the tribulations you came out and played when it was bitter cold in the morning and you came to practice when you didn't want to or it was Halloween or the day before you know you were on spring break and you still came to practice everybody and everybody's family and frankly more than anybody else made a sacrifice right so that's what I praise I try to pray I try to give credit for the work that was done more so than the result that was attained so if I could you know and you see it you see the little things you teach them you teach them commands basically when they're three and four you yell a word and then they respond and I always worry that everything I'm saying sounds militant and, oh, you only say that because you're in the military. But it's not true, right? It's just everyday life. If you're a soccer player, if you're a football player, and you're, or you're a basketball player, what do you do if, the, if you're playing basketball and the coach yells, press? You know that's a command. Press means get to half court, get past half court, attack that ball. You know that if the if the third base if third base coach gives you the signal you go you don't say well you know let me think about that let me uh, let me evaluate my situation no you trust that person to give you that command so that you know to execute and that's what's uh it's pretty awesome about us as humans you know everyone said you can't teach an old dog new tricks but that's cool i get it but um I don't have any dogs, so I don't really relate to that. Because I sure as hell can learn new tricks, right? You gotta stay current in my line of work. If you don't, then you're, you're, you'll never make it. So those different commands are what I know now, right? So if it's, if it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta be punctual. I get it, that command, I get it. You gotta be on time. If it's, uh, if it's, it might not be so direct. It might just be that report needs to be here by six. That's that's direct and that's a command. It, it gets me. I know what I'm doing. I know what I need to do. I know what time I need to get it done. So the reason I'm talking about, about one word answers commands is kind of I went on a little tame tangent about how everyone learns this way and that's what we do. Um, but that was because of those are the things that I was giving credit to my three and four and five year olds when I play soccer and I keep coaching soccer because they're learning how to respond. They're learning a call and response. My kids do the same thing. They know for a fact. If I say what is most important, they will say human life. If I say what is if I say what is water, they'll say water is life. You know, if I say what do we protect, they'll say we protect the head. What's your job? Your job is to protect. There's just there's so many commands, and their calls and responses. Now that is probably more military. Their call and response, but it's a learned response, right? It's a little you know, you bring up all the little references you want, Pavlov's dog, blah blah blah. But the long and the short of it is, if it works, and it's stupid, it's not stupid because it works, right? So anytime I'm thinking about these things and I hear somebody say, well, what am I going to do? They're just a little kid. They don't know any better. That's right. I mean, that's accurate, right? If you're, if you're three 
you don't understand why you should be a good person. And so you are told different things. You know, you're, you're told, well, you just need to be. You just have to be. And that's that's not giving those kids credit, you know? You're, you're smart people, I'm a smart guy. We didn't just magically wake up and become smart. Our brains have been able to be smart since day one, you know? And those kids have been ingesting nothing but but information since day one. So they're, that's why they're poking and prodding and, and, and seeing how much they can get away with because they're learning. And so you gotta challenge them and tell them why. And maybe use words that they understand because if they don't understand what, you know, being vulnerable or, or consequence, if they don't understand what those words mean, yeah, you can't use those words. That's like talking, it's like scolding me in, in German. I, I have no idea if I'm supposed to feel bad or if I'm supposed to change my behavior because I don't understand what you're saying. So, giving credit where they have done something wrong works. You should do it. But to give them the consequence, especially when they're little, you got to use words they understand and be relatable. So that's a, that's a hard one, right? Because I know, I do know, I know a lot of, uh, I keep saying a lot, right? But what's the max I know? Maybe 10, right? I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't sit people down on a bench. I just have interactions with humans. But a lot of my interactions have been with some parents and some male parents, some guys who are, who are very much my way or the highway. Nope. You're going to put your pajamas on and go to bed right now because I said so. And sometimes, I guess that can be effective. And I, and I guess it can be the right answer. Because I've been in situations where I needed, them, I needed them to just react. If I say stop, 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 I need them to stop, stop, stop. I don't need them to keep crossing the street, you know? Or think it's a game and try to do it some more. Because most of the time, if I'm yelling stop, 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 it is that. It's either we're crossing the street or we're playing and someone's getting hurt. Or frankly, I mean, they're, we're playing and they're hurting me. I've, uh, <laughs> I've gone a little too far myself, you know, and I've, uh, I've had my knee bent the wrong way when they jumped on it. So I get the, uh, the need for immediate response. But most of the time, if you just explain to those little guys what is going on and why you want them to do something, and why it's in their best interest to do it, they're, they're pretty reasonable. So that's what, as far as I've been uh, exposed to, as far as I've seen. So when it's 7.45 and the kid's bedtime is supposed to be 7.30, telling them to go to bed is not just because I said so. It's why do I have to go to bed? You have to go to bed because if you don't go to bed right now, you're gonna to be too tired to go and play tomorrow. You're not gonna be able to play and have fun tomorrow because you're gonna be so tired. And that has been a reasonable thing. They'll go upstairs and are they going to bed immediately? No, they're going up there and they're kicking the wall. Not so much out of anger, but they just are used to it. They are accustomed to, okay, I have to go to bed because Papa said so. But why am I going to bed? Because I, because I wanna to play tomorrow. You know, they have that ability to ration and reason. Now, it's not 
existential or theological where it's like, oh, what is my, what's going to happen to my soul if I, if I commit sins and I murder a human? They don't understand that. I mean, people still can come back to, the, to life. My, my, I'm, I'm certain and terrified that my son thinks if, I, if he cuts my head off, he can just put it back on with the band-aid and I'll come right back to life. So, so that's a terrifying thing, but it's understandable. It's not like, oh gosh, let me go see a counselor. No. He's, he's looking at crazy shows where there's a character made out of Play-Doh or something and the head pops off and they just go great. He has, now they, he walks around and he puts it back on. Everything's cool. Now, is he ready for, oh no, if you, if you slice my throat open, I'm going to bleed all over the place and my nerves will be so torn and damaged, I will never come back to life. And then you will have to grow up in a foster home because your mother will be so sad and distraught that she'll take her life and possibly you'll be ending up with an abusive family and then you'll be on the streets when you're 14. You know, is that, is, is that the kind of thing that three-year-olds going to understand? No. They might actually get excited about the fact of being on, getting to go out at night on the streets by themselves because they think it's fun, you know? So, so all of that is taking credit for when you're wrong. So when going back to how they can learn and they can understand and why that's important to give them credit when they're right and to, and to let them know it's okay to take credit when you're wrong. I mean, we're learning, just like I said in my last, my last podcast, was we're learning, me and the children, we are learning together how to make mistakes and how to grow from those mistakes and how to acknowledge and take credit for those mistakes. So if they, if I, if they don't see me taking credit, they're not going to take credit. If they see me try to hide, they're going to try to hide because I'm setting the standard that that's okay. And just saying it out loud is not enough. You know, sometimes you have to do ridiculous things like not eat the bologna sandwich. So uh, I hope you don't think I'm obsessed with bologna. I do enjoy it. Bologna, bologna. It's a it's a delicious meat. Uh, this this podcast is brought to you by Oscar Mayer. <laughs> no, no, no. But um, but that's just something really important to me. Is that if. If your kid or my kids do something that's terrible, this is what's really hard, is is when they do something really bad, like they just, I just printed out, or I, I just framed a picture of, uh, of my grandparents, right? An old picture I found, framed it. And I, I didn't have a glass in the frame, right? It was just a picture. I was getting ready to put the glass in and I walked away and I came back and I left the marker out, right? That's like a nightmare. If you see a Sharpie marker anywhere out and that family has kids, do them a favor and pick it up and put it in your pocket. Just, oh God, please just do this. And on the other hand, on the other foot of that, if one of my buddies was uh, really the biggest threat he gave me. I was, I was living in a small apartment with my whole family, right? And he said, you keep it up. I'm going to start throwing Sharpie market markers underneath your door. And that is a terrifying thought for any parent. If you walk in and see your kid with a marker, a permanent marker, you get, you, you have an, there's probably going to be an audible gasp about what is, am I about to find? And then you go, you see if the top's on, you're like, oh, thank God. And, but you got to double check, right? You go back in. 
I mean, frankly, I would rather come home and see my kid covered in poop and the floor, a big trail of poop behind him, than see my kid standing anywhere with a permanent marker and the top is off. I, I, that's it. That was the game for me. That I could never, I, I don't know what I would do. You can always wipe up poop. When you're, when you don't have kids, yeah, I get it. There's no poop for you. <laughs> but poop is like an everyday occurrence. I got no problems with poop anymore. There's nothing shy about poop. So all that goes back to when they do something terrible. So let's say your five-year-old just did that. They thought it was funny and they put smiley faces on a vintage picture as one of a kind. Horrible. You can't make up for this mistake. You can't fix it. What do you do? You just beat them? Just bend them over your knee and just have at it? I mean, that's not my method. But it's got to be something proportional and it can never be done out of anger. So that's when you go to your wife, you go to your, your, your backup, your second hand there. You go to the boss and you say, hey, I am so mad. Your son just did this or, you know, your daughter just did this. I need you to punish them. And that's okay. Um, if you don't want to be the bad guy, then you don't want to be a parent. And that sounds like an arrogant thing to say. Oh, I can't believe you're a jerk. I'm a good friend to my kids. That's cool. Cool story, bro. But if you don't want to be a bad guy, then you're not going to be a parent. Because your kid's going to want to eat sugar. And your kid's going to want to eat glass. Your kid's going to want to eat a nail. And you're going to have to take it from them and be the bad guy. They're going to cry. They're going to cry. Man, this is a dad thing. A papa thing because women are the worst about this. Well, my my boss and all the other bosses I've heard are the worst at this. When your kids knows your your three your two maybe three and unders nose is full of snot, and you're holding them down so that you can get the bulb syringe up that nose and suck out them boogers or the uh, whatever it's called the Nosferatu thing. I don't know what that thing is called, but they were you suck it out with your own your own mouth it's so weird but when you're doing that there's a good chance your kid's not just gonna sit there chilling saying ah this uh, this feels great thanks really appreciate what you're doing for me there parent there's a better chance they're gonna kick and scream because you are restraining them you're holding them down you're jamming something into their nose where it's not supposed to go and you're you're making it feel weird inside of their nose and a weird feeling is kind of conducive, not conducive, but I wonder if a weird feeling can be interpreted as pain. Because you really don't have all these, okay, that feels good, or that feels bad, or that feels, eh, anyway. It's kind of like, I don't understand that feeling. So it's scary, because I don't understand it. That's a better way to say it. It's a confusing feeling. So a kid gets scared. But you are the bad guy when you're uh, sucking out that nose doing the good thing for the kid. <laughs> so again, that's a tangent, but that is a legitimate tangent that works because what it is demonstrating is sometimes when you're protecting them, they think you're the bad guy. So telling them out loud, I'm doing this because of this. I'm gonna suck out your nose because you gotta be able to breathe. You gotta be able to feel good. Or I'm... 
I'm taking these nails away from you because you're if you swallow them you're going to die I am NOT letting you drink the Drano because you're going to die I'm not letting you go to that party because I don't trust the people who are there and I can't protect you if I don't trust the people who are there I'm not gonna let you drive the car even though you're 17 because I don't trust that you're ready yet. I don't feel comfortable with you driving the car. Those things are okay. You're not the good guy. You're not giving them all they want. You're the bad guy. But it's like all those, all those funny lines, right? Where it's like, you know what? I hate you, but damn it, I respect the hell out of you. And that's usually in a funny movie, but that's a legitimate statement. Your kids are going to respect you so much more for choosing that hard right over the easy wrong. And they're going to understand more if you're able to explain it to them. Even if they don't get it, they're going to hear it over and over again. And they're going to understand, yeah, you know what? My dad doesn't usually do this kind of stuff. Or I'm pissed because he's not letting me go to the movies with my friends. And I don't understand his reason, but they are. But they're going to have a reason. So giving them that reason is a big deal. And oh man, when I grew up, a lot of my reasons were because I said so, because God said so, because uh, because I'm the parent and you're the child. Those things are terrible. That really did not help me at all. Now, am I going to sit here and tell you that, oh, when I was three years old, they said, because I'm the parent, and that scarred me for life, and I never trusted my parents ever again. Now, I, I, I said in another podcast, my family life was, was good. I had a good childhood. I grew up with good family. I had good mom and dad. I still have a good mom and dad. I still have a good family that I love and respect. But as a parent, one of the things you... you except as a challenge, and I hope that people do this, and this is just me, I guess, is that you, you want to do things better. You want to beat your parents. Not like with a stick or a shovel. I'm talking, I mean, maybe if you had a terrible childhood, maybe. Childhood, baby. But what I'm getting at is you want to do it a little bit better, right? My mom, uh, when we would go to church, my mom would always say, because God sends it. Why are we kneeling right here? Because God sends it. Why are we quiet? Because God said so. There's a lot of God said so's. And that's, that's everyone does the best of what they got. So I'm assuming that the way she taught me was just a little bit better than the way she was taught, you know? Because if you start doing things just because your parents did it, and you don't want to do it a little bit better, then you start becoming that person who settles, right? Uh, I'm good. Status quo is okay. Uh, all the other kids are doing it. Why can't my kid? You know, then you then you accept all this ridiculous stuff on TV as the truth. Because then you see the TV and you say, oh, well, everybody seems to be eating Tide Pods. I guess it's okay if my kid does it. You know, and that's not conducive. Don't do that because that's going to piss me off because my kids are going to go to school with your kids and my kids are going to see that ignorant stuff 
and say, well, wait a minute, little Johnny's doing that, why can't I? And I gotta explain to them why. And then they're gonna go to little Johnny and say, you're a moron because you're doing something stupid that's gonna hurt you. And they're gonna go back to you and say, why didn't you tell me this is why I shouldn't be doing this? And then you're gonna get upset. Who's telling you what you gotta do? And then we're gonna get into it and I'm gonna punch you in the nose. Because violence does solve everything, mostly most things quickly. <laughs> so all of this, I guess I actually have a focus topic this time. Last time I rambled forever about everything and anything. But this time the focus is credit. You know? Take credit for the good, take credit for the bad, and try to be try to be as direct as possible. This whole thing started because I got into an argument with my with my boss. We were uh, trying to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich again, and I I immediately thought about how we could have solved this whole thing if she was direct. Hey, I just want you to listen. I don't want you to critique. I don't want you to offer suggestions. I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen. Now, that's not placing all the onus on her, right? At a certain point, after years of marriage, I really should be a little bit better at deciphering whether she needs to or not. And sometimes I've been pretty good, and I'll literally say it out loud. Give me a second. Let me help, help me with this conversation. Do you want me to fix it, or do you want me to just listen? And that's not a mean thing to say. You know, that's... You're asking for help. And if there's anything that all people love to do, they love to fix other people and they love to show you when you're wrong, show you how you're wrong. That's a, I think maybe we'll even talk about that the next time. Next time we'll talk about how to communicate with your spouse or with your boss. Actually, communicate with anybody, frankly. How to communicate with anybody, especially, especially in a hostile situation when you actually care about the outcome and care about maintaining a, a, a relationship going forward. So, uh, so just to recap, you know, be direct. Love one another, I get it, but be direct. Love is not always nice. Sometimes love is tough. So be direct, take credit for when you do something wrong and show consequence. You don't have to show a remorse like, oh, I'm going to cry now because, uh, you know, I did something wrong and I want everybody to see that I feel bad. So nobody cares about your feelings. If you did the wrong thing, show that there's a consequence for that. But also when you do the right thing, it's okay to tell people, I did the right thing. Luck has favored me. Hey, I just got a promotion, guys. Hey, guys, I know that you're, on, you're down on your luck. Well, I just got a promotion. I'm really happy about it. Good friends are going to tell you, you know what, man? That stinks that I can't have it, but I'm glad you did. And, you know, you'll, you'll share in the joy. But, of course, if they need it, share in the misery. You know, be willing to listen to them, too. So take credit. Everybody go take credit. Go be selfish for a little bit. Take credit. Not boastful. Don't do things because you want the credit. Do things because they need to be done. 
but take credit for when you when you do do the when you do the right thing, so that if it becomes too much, or people want to know or need an example of how to do it, you're there for them. Okay. All right, man. Well, that's podcast number two in the bag. Count it. So the next one, what did I say? Okay, well, I'm going to try on the next one to talk about interacting with hostile people. That should be a pretty good good topic. I've got lots of examples of interacting with difficult people or just people you care about because flicking somebody off in traffic is an easy out because you don't care about that person and you don't care about anything. There's no consequence. You just keep going. But when you're talking to someone you love or someone you care about or someone you work with, you can't just flick them off and walk away because you're going to see them in 10 seconds. All right? So um, what is it I tell my kids? Uh, Laugh, learn, love God, and that's it.